0: Father, um, so we hear this story and we, uh, we just ponder it in silence, um, I'm thinking of, of a, a prayer we, we read in the book of Ephesians where Paul Paul prays that, that the, eyes, the eyes of the heart would be open, would be enlightened. And that's my prayer for us this morning as we, as we open scripture in the second week of Advent and uh, look at a story that might be known, might be familiar that you would open the eyes of our heart to see the, the glory and the beauty, um, to see the, the, the abundance of love in this story, um, and to ultimately see the hope that we have in you. And so I, I pray for our time, um, pray you bless it, and, and we thank you in your name. Amen. Amen. How you guys doing? Good. Hey, my name is Adam. Um, I'm one of the, the pastors here at Mosaic, and I get to open scripture with you today. And uh, here um, in the, the second week of Advent, and realizing Advent might be new for you, um, it's, it's actually new for me. This is uh, the first church um, that my family's been a part of that, that goes through this practice of Advent. And so um, I've, I've been learning alongside some of you, and it's... Um, it's really a, a simple practice. The word Advent comes from a, a Latin word that means the arrival. And uh, for us, this practice this year and the weeks leading up to Christmas Eve, um, we want to read through that passage in Luke chapter 2, those 20 verses, and come and, and light a candle and uh, to, to really fixate and spend time on this story, this, this Advent, this arrival of Jesus and fully understanding it and knowing it, and, and hopefully, um, as I just prayed, to hear it with, with fresh eyes, with the eyes of our heart opened. Um, this last week, uh, I have a, my wife and I lead a family group with five or six other families of small kids, and um, we decided, or I decided, I guess, I was leading, um, to have the kids tell the Christmas story, the narrative. And uh, they, they vary in age um, to really, really young, and, and uh, so I was bracing for whatever might come. And uh, they did a fantastic job. Um, well done, parents, if you're in here. Um, they, they told the story. They, uh, I even threw curveballs at them. I asked them when the snowman came, and they knew. They, they caught me. And, and what, was, uh, what was such a blessing for me is to hear people telling this story who are just learning it where it's fresh and it's new for them. And, and you can tell they were just amazed. And, and then this happened and this happened. And, and as I was watching it taking in, I sat back and thought, ah, this, this is the heart of Advent. That in a season where for many of us, this, it might be really busy. We feel like we're being pulled from one thing to the next and trying to catch, catch up. And it's this constant activity. And, and all the way to the other side of the spectrum, for some of us, where this, this might be a really lonely season, a really difficult season. That... Then all of those experiences, we're, we're reorienting ourselves week after week to look at this story and this amazing thing that God has done with the hopes that, that we are um, growing in a sense of awe and worship. And uh, week, uh, week to week, we'll be incorporating um, even times of silence where we can stop activity and reflect. And this is something that, that is a practice that we do other than Advent, but it, it feels important, especially important in this season to stop and reflect on what God has done. And so we'll be, we'll be walking through um, those 20 verses in Luke 2 and, and kind of looking at four themes or walking through four themes that represent the, the four weeks and the four candles. Uh, the first one was last week, um, and it was the, the, the theme or the perspective of anticipation, of, of, of that moment of, of waiting, of, of looking ahead. And, and today um, we'll look at the theme of, of provision and then the weeks to come, peace, And wonder. And so today, uh, I'm going to take two verses from those 20 verses in Luke chapter 2 that Josh just read, and um, to take those and through the lens of provision, to look at the moment that Jesus arrived, and to understand and to see that, that what was true then, what's true now, and what is true forever is that in that moment, God met the deepest needs of humanity with his provision. That In that moment, God provided for all humanity what they could not provide for themselves by the arrival of Jesus. So if you have a Bible, um, go ahead and flip over to Luke chapter 2. And uh, as you're turning there, I'll kind of keep us, um, catch us up on the narrative piece from last week. Uh, you, you're probably familiar with the story, but, but just in case you're not, this story starts um, with a young man named Joseph, and then even even younger woman named Mary, and they are going to get hitched. Uh, the The Bible word is betrothed. They're engaged to one another, and before they, they get married, an angel appears to Mary and, and says, hey, highly favored one, guess what? You're going to conceive uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit a child and he is going to be powerful. He's going to be the one that your people have been waiting for. He's going to be their savior, their redeemer, and it's going to be amazing. And, of course, she's, she's troubled because she's not married yet, and she's going to be pregnant, and that's a bit of taboo. And so she goes to Joseph, her betrothed, and she says, hey, this is what happened. And he doesn't really believe her so much and decides he's going to se- separate himself from her quietly and, and uh, honorably. But then an angel comes to him and affirms the story. No, Joseph, you're, you're, you're called to do this, that, that this has happened, this is good, the Holy Spirit has done this, you guys are, are, are going to raise this child, his name is going to be Jesus. And so they're together, and they, uh, there is a census um, in the land where everyone has to go to their, their home um, city or territory to be counted. And um, so they, they go to his homeland, which is Bethlehem, and she is pretty far along in her pregnancy as they're traveling there, which must have been fun. And that's where our story picks up. And it's, it's two simple verses, and it, it starts with uh, verse 6. It says this. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them pretty simple two verses, kind of nondescript. The The person who wrote Luke was a physician. I would have expected more, uh, maybe a wait, time of day when the baby was born. I, I've been a part of, of four births, one being my own. I don't remember much about that. The other three were the births of my three daughters, and I have a ton of memories. It was just a roller coaster. The anticipation, days leading up to it, and the the angst, the fear, the excitement, the, the celebration, the all, all of those things, even, even moments of anger when, when my poor wife with our second child is, is starting to look a little sweaty. And so as the loving husband, I'm going to cool her off, and I begin to go <laughs> into her face. It was, not, it was not accepted as a gesture of love, and I'll leave it there. All that to say, these are massive events, and, and Luke tells us, this thing and these two simple verses and yet these two simple verses communicate so much they communicate so much they they tell us about our heavenly father how good he is how much he loves us and the the extent of which he's willing to reach to see our redemption happen these verses say so much the most important arrival, the most important advent and birth in human history is contained in these two verses. And God's story of provision for all of humanity is contained in these two verses. That in this manger, God has provided for us what we cannot provide for ourselves. Now, to talk about God's provision, we have to first talk about um, our need. And, and to acknowledge and own that that to be human is to be in need, right I mean we, we might not like that, we might like, not like to think of ourselves as in need or, or needy, but but the simple truth is to be human is to be in need and in need of of provision and so as, as we think about this, um, I also think that we have to talk about the difference between need and desire or want, right. Um, we're, we're kind of going through this right now in our house with Christmas lists and our five-year-old, and it's just like she got her hands on this catalog and just started circling everything. I need all this stuff. And, and in actuality, needs and wants are very different things. There are many things that, that I, I want and I desire, but I don't necessarily need them. Um, but, but something that I need is, is critical. It's a, it's a must-have. So here's, here's a simple example that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I love hot wings from Fire on the Mountain. It's my jam. I could eat them every night. In fact, it's my desire to eat them every night that can't happen. My, my life expectancy would radically change, but, but my desire would be to eat them every night. Now, I, I can never eat them again and be fine, but I do have a need for food. Now, my desire is how that need is, is fulfilled, but, but we see the difference there, that there are desires and there are, are needs. and your Heavenly Father cares about both of these. That, that you have uh, an, an audience with Him, that, that you have His ear to bring both your needs and the things that you care about, the things that you desire, even the things that you want, fully knowing, and, and I have to own, that, that my desires throughout my life have been a completely moving target. What I desired last year or two years ago or maybe even last week might have changed. And as any good dad, our Heavenly Father doesn't say yes to every desire that we have and it's a good thing if if he did I would currently be a country western star on tour with Garth Brooks playing for the NFL on the weekend that was that was my life trajectory that was my desire and God said no no we, we're gonna go this way we have a different plan for you so we, we have desires but but we also have needs and provision is born out of, of needs the things that are completely necessary for us. There's a psy- psychologist uh, named Boslow um, who practiced in the early 1900s, and he's most well known for creating this, this hierarchy um, of, of human needs, and he, he writes it in a, in, a, in a triangle, and he begins with the most basic need is uh, physiological. We need air, we need food, we need water. We're not going to last very long without those needs. And then as it goes up, the, the, the next one is safety, that we have a place that we can sleep at night where wild animals won't eat us. We, we, we need some kind of safety. And then the next one is, is love. Are there people who, who care about you, who are vested in you, who, who care about what you become and, and how you get there? And then the, the, the next level up is acceptance. Not only do, do they love you, but they accept you. They like who you are and they, they want you around. And then kind of the top of his pyramid is identity, self-actualization. This is, this is my purpose, this is what I'm here for. So from a world perspective, we, we understand need. And yet, we could go through and, and get an A-plus on each one of those. The right food, the right, you know, the right setting, the right everything, uh, and now it's all culminated to this amazing thing, and, and if we believe the story of the God of the Bible that He's created us to be in community and relationship with Him, even if we are excelling at every need our bodies. Have. We have a need for Him. Written into our code, written into who we are as God's creation, we have a need to be in relationship with Him. I love how C.S. Lewis says it. If we find ourselves with a need that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. If we find ourselves in this world with a need that nothing can satisfy, not success, not attainment, not my name being remembered far after I'm gone. If, if all those things are there and yet there's this need, my conclusion is that need has to be met from something besides this world. That we are created, we are created in need of relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so through that lens, as we think about how God has provided that and made an allowance for that in the arrival of His Son, I, I want to look at these three simple statements that help us understand how God has richly provided for us, how he's brought provision in only a way that he could for us. The first one is is this, that God has provided us with life that we could not provide for ourselves. God has provided us with life that we could not provide for ourselves. When we think about the, the idea or the concept of life and where life comes from, life always precedes life. Right? The living things come from other living things. If, if we go outside and, and see a tree, we, we know that it, it came at some point from a seed that fell from another living tree, that came from another tree, another tree, and, and it's no different with, with you and I. We, we have come from living things, and, and we could back that story up, that natural story, all the way to a point where a triune God said, let's, let's create people in our image. And let's create this earth where they can inhabit it. And let's create all these living things. And, and no matter what we believe about how that happened, life began with life. That's true physically, and it's true spiritually, that we need to be made alive in our hearts. The very essence of who we are is in need of being made alive from God, the only one who can bring that life, this provision. Uh, Paul writes um, in Ephesians, gives us a really clear picture of this uh, in Ephesians 2.1. He says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world, of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So so Paul kind of names the human condition, that, that we're born Spiritually corrupt. That we're born spiritually dead and, and are in need of God to save us. This, this is where we start. This is the need that we're born with. And then it goes on in, in verse 4 and says, but, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgression. It is by grace you have been saved. So Paul makes this provision really clear for us. That on our own, we're spiritually corrupt. That we're spiritually dead. But but God, rich in mercy, has provided. He's brought what is needed. He has brought this life, and we celebrate it at the advent of Jesus. What we could not do for ourselves, no matter how much we work, no matter how much we excel, we cannot make ourselves spiritually alive. This is a work of God, and is his provision. Now, throughout Scripture, um, when, when there are themes of talking about spiritual, spiritually living and spiritual death, it, it usually uses the analogy of light and darkness. And there is a, a writing here in, in Isaiah um, 9, and, and much of Isaiah is actually looking towards the advent of Jesus, the arrival of Jesus. And it gives us a picture of a people anticipating this provision coming from God. Look at the imagery of people walking and living in a land with no light. That's a a really powerful image, a really powerful picture of what it means to be separate from the life of God, to be moving and negotiating a world without light, without vision, without being able to see. Moving in darkness is is a parallel, perilous business. It's it, it's, uh, it's kind of dangerous. I, I do this thing sometimes. My, my kids like a, a nightlight, and the hall light is left on, and I hate a nightlight, and so I wait till they go to sleep, and then I walk to the, the hall, and I get ready to turn it off, but before I do, I look, and I map out my route back to the bed, because I know once it turns off, I'm not going to be able to see, and I love my toes. And so there's this perilous moment where the light goes off, and I am moving without being able to see anything. Now imagine that the risks of your heart, clouded and walking in darkness. But it says, but a light has come. It's pointing to the advent, this, this, this picture that's pointing forward. And in verse 6, uh, it says this, for unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder. Talk about the kingdom of God. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace that this is the essence of who he is. He comes bringing light, bringing life, where there was death and darkness. When we look at Advent, when we think about that manger, this is what that manger held, the one who brought life and light into our world to a people wandering in darkness. This is an amazing moment. God has provided something amazing. Amazing. In John 8, this is further into Jesus' life, and, and, and he's talking about this himself. And, and he says uh, of himself that the thief comes only to kill, to steal, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. That the thief has come only to kill, to steal, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it complete. So he has come to bring life and delight into us. But then the second provision is to lead us, to be a guide. It's not just life and light for a moment, but it's life and guidance for our life. That he brings us guidance, this need that we have of what it looks like to follow him and and, and to be in need of him. And and he gives us this picture of it. He says to have life in the full in verse 10. And then verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Insinuating that that the way to this better life, the way to live to the fullest and to have complete life is is to actually have a shepherd. Um, This is an older concept for us. I know that there are still sheep and shepherds. But the last shepherds I saw were on ATVs and had cell phones. So I think we have a different context of what this means. And, and, and there's kind of a paradox to this because in, in one sense, when I think of sheep, I think of something that is dumb and smelly. And it's not something that we aspire to. Uh, and yet the, the role of having a shepherd in our lives and what a shepherd does, what a shepherd does for their sheep, that they, they protect them that they lead them to places of food and water, that they mend them when they're not well, that they lead them to places where they can rest and have safety. This is what Jesus says he is for us. This is what God has provided for us in Jesus, a shepherd. Someone who leads us, who guides us, who mends us when we're broken, who brings us the things that we need, who leads us even into rest, it goes on in that same chapter in verse 14, John 10, 14. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. That this shepherd is present with us, that he knows us. He knows our desires. He knows our needs, and, 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 and that, that, that we know him. God has provided this for you and I. A shepherd, someone who, who guides us and leads us. There's a really great picture of this in, in Psalm written by um, a man named David, who is kind of the uh, Hall of Fame king for, for Israel, kind of their star king, and, and he's written uh, a lot of poetry, and, and, and I think this, this captures, maybe even prophetically captures what it means to walk with Jesus and have this him as our shepherd, and, and I'm willing to bet as I start reading it, it's going to sound somewhat familiar to a lot of people in this room, but, but it says this in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd, I, I lack, I lack nothing. He's met my needs. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Jesus knows what we need. And he's present as our shepherd. As I, as I read these words, where are you finding yourself in need this morning? These words that David says, this is what it's like to have a shepherd. This is, this is how he's leading me, that, that, that he's, he's causing me to lie down. He, he tells me when to rest, when, when I need to relax, when I need to trust him and rest and let my efforts be put down for a moment. That he refreshes my soul he guides me. That I don't have to fear evil even in the darkest seasons of my life. He comforts me. Where are you needing to experience that from your shepherd? To be comforted, to rest. Even in dark seasons, even in frustrating seasons, he is present as a shepherd. He meets the needs of us needing to be guided. And he meets that need by being our shepherd as we talk about God's guidance and, and his provision and how he is a shepherd, I also have to own that, that many times the way that I have anticipated God providing looks different. Times where I've, I've asked and believed and prayed and desired and, and, and needed something, and, and God had a, a different plan, and, and even sometimes that's, that's painful. Sometimes it's difficult. There's, there's times where I'm going through seasons and something feels unfair, unjust. And I, and I ask God, where, where's my shepherd? God, where are you in this? I mean, even, even think about the story of Mary and Joseph. Like the this, this story happened the way that it happened because it's fulfilling prophecy and, and, and all the details match up with so much prophecy throughout the Old Testament and it's beautifully woven. But for Mary and Joseph, they had to live this reality. This, this wasn't ideal. Um, for her to get mysteriously pregnant where most people would not have believed that. It's not ideal that they have to travel in the late terms of her per- pregnancy. And in my mind, if I'm Mary, I'm carrying the Son of God, everything should start working out, right? Uh, I'm gonna go into labor, and I'm gonna show up in Bethlehem to the best ER room. There's gonna be food, there's gonna be a physician, everything's gonna be thought of, and they get there, and what does the text say? There's no provision for you. There's no room for you here. And they have this baby, this baby, and in a stable and there's, there's animals. And that, that's not how I'd write the story. And, 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 I think you and I can identify with that. The, the Jesus is our shepherd. And, and at times I can see the provision is so clear. And I love those moments of, of celebrating him and thanking him for that. But, but there's also times where it doesn't make sense. And, and we are called then to, to trust him, to trust that, that he's good, to trust that he is in fact in control and to trust that, that he loves us. That that's, that's what it looks like and means to have a shepherd, this thing that God has provided for us. So in this, in this manger, in these two verses that Luke writes, the Son of God is born. Life, spiritual life has entered the world. Light has penetrated the darkness. The shepherd has come. Who is going to lead the way? He's going to live an example, live out an example with his own life, and then he's going to shepherd us as we live our lives. All this provision has come, and then there's this third line of provision, and it comes. um, It's actually a name of Jesus, and we read about it in um, in Matthew one. This is the uh, the story I was talking about a moment ago, where. Joseph doesn't initially uh, believe Mary or he just wants to distance himself. Uh, we don't really know his motivations, but an angel visits him, and, and this is what the angel says, um, Matthew 1.20. Uh, but after he, Joseph, had considered this, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, some David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. This is Isaiah, Isaiah 7. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This third provision it's beautiful and it's critical. In fact, the other stuff doesn't happen if this doesn't happen. This third provision is God, God provides himself. That, that he brings his own presence. That he steps into humanity to rescue and to build relationship with you and with me. And as I sit with that reality, I, I, I think I understand it more at a, at a, huma, a humanity level. That, that God has stepped into human story and human history and, and uh, He has made a way and, and he's brought light. And all of that is true, but, but there's a much more personal reality to this. That, that he is God with us. He's God with you. He's God with me. That he wants to be present with us. He wants to sit with us and know us, to know our thoughts. To our wants, our desires, our fears, what we're celebrating. He wants to walk every day with us. He likes us and delights us. He wants to know us. That's amazing. Held within that manger, the Son of God has took on flesh and has come to be present with me and with you. This is what Advent has brought us. Relationship, relationship with God. I'm going to ask our our team to uh, come back up, and they're they're going to lead us in um, in songs, and um, we're going to take communion. And this is something we do, uh, remembering the other the other end of Jesus's life um, when when he was had gone to the cross, was put to death, and. The Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit brought him to life, and, and now he's given us access to life and to his shepherding and to his presence and to all of these things. And we come and we dip the bread in the juice and, and we remember that story. And, and as we do that and, and the, the days to come and the weeks to come, my, my invitation for us this Advent, as we sing the songs, um, as we go through the customs as we look maybe at the nativity sitting on our mantle and and we have this imagery in front of us that that we remember what God has provided for you and I. Something that we could not attain, we could not provide for ourselves. That he has brought us life. That he shepherds and leads us. And he's brought us himself. His presence. Father, Father, God, I thank you for this season. Um, we remember the way that you stepped into humanity, um, that you didn't stay afar, you didn't, uh, you didn't s- separate yourself, that, that you stepped into this story with us, and you have brought, you have provided what we could not provide for ourselves, and we are grateful. We respond with worship, with songs of adoration and of love. We thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen.